Hey, I'm Dave, and you're listening to another episode of Dying to Listen Podcast presented by the Disc Golf Dyers Guild. Today, we have Caleb from Heiser Drip Dyes. Hey, Caleb, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you having me. I uh, I checked out your Instagram profile, and you seem to be um, a relatively newcomer to the disc dyeing. Yes, sir. I've uh, I only started dyeing about December, so it's it's, and of course I had to take five months off here earlier this year. But getting back into the flow of things and trying to keep keep that growth going. Yes. Um, so before we talk um, disc dyeing, obviously you play disc golf. What got you into disc golf and why do you like it? Well, honestly, I started very casually. Um, it was about 2003, um, seventh grade. My dad took me to the park and we did like a little tournament. And uh, for the longest time there, I was going out and throwing one disc, like going out with a champion groove and putting with that. And, and then last, um, last March, I was looking to get out of the house because I'm a stay-at-home dad. I needed some activity and uh, I was like, well, this is something free. I've already got discs. And then next thing you know, I've got like 300 more discs and picked up dying. So it's just been a whole thing. What, I guess, what do you like about disc golf and why do you keep playing? Um, well, it's just the variability of it, the getting out in nature. Um, I mean, you can go to the same course six times a week and throw different lines and, and find different paths to, it just, it opens the mind to different things. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, have you brought your kids disc golfing yet? Not yet. No. Um, we, I got a, I got a two and a half year old and a five month old. So, um, I will get the, get the, the oldest one outside putting at some point. I have a, a practice basket in my backyard. So nice. that's the first step. So, I mean, nowadays with your, uh, children, do you have time to, uh, disc golf and or die discs? Um, I make time. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm running on like three hours of sleep to get a die done and, and i got a tournament coming up this weekend so uh, fingers crossed i do all right on that nice so what got you into disc dying and how did you find out about that um well i, I was browsing instagram and i you know hashtags and everything and I, I found some dyers that were doing giveaways and i said well let me try and enter these and uh, i won like six across last year and i really liked how they came out but i also wanted my entire bag to be dyed so and did a lot of research and got into it, got all the supplies. Nice. What was the first disc that you've dyed and uh, what technique? Um, well, the very first disc I dyed was a F2 Destroyer. It was a dark red disc. And of course, I used the wrong um, eye dye. I didn't get the poly. I got, I got the fabric stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just like shadows of chameleon cells. And the very next one I, I did, I used Flag Blue from um, Prochem and Dye for the swipe and uh it came out a lot better so that was like my first big step into chameleon cells all right so your first eye was chameleon cells i feel like that that technique is like the second or third level of um um what people do for dying what made you do or try chameleon cells first um honestly it was uh lobot dies I really liked how he came out with all his stuff and everything he did just blew my mind and the color, you know, the color variation in the cells and everything. I I wanted that for my bag, but unfortunately being a stay at home dad, it's a lot harder to buy, you know, 20 discs from a dyer than it is to just get the supplies and try to learn on my own. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had little bot on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to him, definitely check that out. Um, and he's definitely will. been putting out a bunch of great tutorials and, uh, even I learned something from some of his stuff, um, with that, but 
yeah um have you done any other techniques besides float troll or or any other techniques that would interest you um i am actually i've got a cricket maker 3 um i've yet to set it up because uh, the adobe illustrator 21 dollars a month thing is kind of i'm looking for and i've tried inkscape and gimp and um I just got to get into making vectors out of PNGs and going down that route. So once I do stencils, I've already got a $10 pan I can do hot dips in. And I've already got the Oracle 651, I think it is, and transfer paper. I mean, I've got all the supplies. I just, I haven't had time because every time I feel like, oh, I've got a little time to learn this. Someone's like, hey, can you do like three discs for me? I'm like, so it's just chameleon cell after chameleon cell right now. Nice. Uh, have you had the, the cricket for a while or did you buy it specifically for disc dyeing? Um, actually my mom's boyfriend is an engineer and he just likes to buy electronic stuff and he had it sitting in a box unopened, never used. And he's like, you can use it, but uh, I haven't yeah. opened it either. Yet, so. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, you have it now. You just need to use it. Yeah. Um, is there any specific like, uh, stencil designs that you're looking to do? Or are you looking to, uh, create your own or just kind of find something or yeah, kind of yeah right now actually I, I i play a lot of um destiny 2 on pc and the guy that runs my clan wants me to do the clan logo um but unfortunately he only gave me a gif format and it's like glowing so there's like 180 mm. frames and it's very choppy so i'm gonna <laughs> have to remake it from scratch so that's why i've been going down that the inkscape route yeah so. um I feel like a lot of people ask the question is like, how can I create a stencil from these images? And there's, um, information out there how to do it. And I feel like maybe I should do a tutorial, but I'm through work. I get the Adobe products. So I'm, I'm used to that. I haven't like I dabbled with Inkscape, and it just kind of, I don't know. I'm just so used to Adobe stuff. Yeah. Um, have you tried, I don't know. Are you iOS or Android? I'm on Android. Okay. Well, never mind then. Because there's an iOS app called VectorQ, I believe is what it's called. And I think there might be something on Android uh, for the same thing, but it does um, like 90%, get you 90% of the way there for some of the images. Okay. Um, I'll have the, to look that up. Yeah. Again, that's, I know that's for iOS. I don't think it's for Android, that specific app. Um, but yeah. Do you have any tablets? Um, we had one for the toddler, but he stepped on it and broke the screen. So, <laughs> ah, damn kids. I was going to say another option that you can do is, um, trace your own. Like if you use an app, um, I use procreate and you can just kind of outline it and trace it on your own. So you don't have to rely on, hopefully you get something with, uh, outlining an existing image. So, yeah. Yeah, it's right now. That's the the only thing I have lined up is that um, it's it's just simple lettering, but I cannot find the text to match it. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to like create a, a layer, put it over top transparently, and then go over it, take the background out, and go from there. Yeah. So. Um, if you haven't already, you can definitely ask um, in the Dyer's Guild Facebook group and/or Discord channel to see if that actually help you out. Because I know I know there are people that would be willing to help you out. Okay. I'll definitely give that a go because I mean, going my own way has only gotten me so far. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, um, you know, it will help you get get started, and you can maybe I don't know, learn how they did it, so you can maybe do something similar. But yeah, for sure.
Yeah, it's it's crazy how welcoming the community has been. Because um, when I when I first started seeing dyes, it was kind of like, what is this magic? You know, what is this <laughs> alchemy that people are creating? But I've gotten all my answers from people online, um, other dyers, and you know, prominent members of the uh, the community. So um, really appreciative for that. Yeah, no, uh, this golf in general and the dyeing community has been um, awesome um, to say the least. So. Um, but yeah, for, uh, your flow troll dies, they, I think you've got that down nailed pretty good. Cause I was looking through some of your photos and I'm like, damn, that is better than what I can do. Yeah. They, I mean, the only thing I'll say is I, I have yet to do more than like a, a black swipe for the webbing of chameleon cells. Um, I know Lobot dies, he, he's got that two swipe technique and lava cells and, you know, black bed with neon gradient. And it's just... The stuff he does is just out of this world. So I, I have a lot. I have a lot of a um, ceiling to get up to skill wise. Well, I mean, you are off to a good start because, like I said, you're on like the third tier uh, level of disc dying, and you started there. So, yeah, yeah. good for you. Um, I appreciate it. Do you have any uh, tips or tricks that you've learned on your own with the Floetrol um, dying that helped you? Uh, mostly just taking a test disc. Like if you have a, a used store where you can grab like, you know, two or three discs off the shelf for less than $10 um, and then like using those as color palettes and, and testing your saturation levels and all that. Because like I've noticed like with Caribbean especially, I usually use like half the recommended um, pro chem and dye mixture. So instead of like one quarter teaspoon, I use like one eighth, you know, mm. and it really it brightens it up. And it makes it more like a cotton candy blue. And I just really like the way that turns out. Interesting. I've never heard of anybody using less dye for Caribbean. I really, I really like it. And honestly, my, uh, the guy who runs the warehouse for my disc golf team, um, he wanted a cotton candy. Um, well, he didn't want, I, I, I snuck around and figured out what his favorite disc was and what his favorite plastic type was and what his favorite colors were. And then I dyed one and gave it to him in person at the, uh, at the flex C tier in July. So that was a pretty good experience. That's awesome. And, uh, speaking of colors, what are your favorite colors or color that you like to work with? I like all the neon colors from pro chem and dye. Um, that I, I've been doing them my entire bag is with that seven color gradient. The only one that's not neon is that Caribbean blue, but um, you never lose it. You know, it can land in the woods, the mud, the tall grass. It's going to stand out one way or another. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I got into disc dyeing is so I don't lose my damn discs when I shame. <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I lost five, but they were all in the drink last year. So. <laughs> um. Are there any colors that you found that has given you trouble with the full troll stuff? Um, mostly just the neon hot orange and the Sarai's pink. They they don't really, like the orange is hydrophobic. So it takes a lot more to mix it into the hot water than it does any other color hmm. in my experience. And uh, <clears throat> Sarai's pink and royal purple both kind of clump up like a wet scab. So, you know, it's just <clears throat> it just takes a little more time than other colors. So how do you create your mixtures for your Floetrol then? Um, one cup at a time. I do it, like, if I have a, a disc set out, I'll do all six colors, like, that day, like, mm -hmm. a couple hours before. Mm. And then I, like, knock them down on the desk and get the air bubbles to come up to the top. And just get it. Uh, I have been using that color intensifier from um, iDye. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of drops in each, in each cup. And um, 
honestly, I don't really notice too much of a difference, but maybe it's, maybe it's uh psychosomatic or something. You know? Yes. What is your ratio for your mixtures? Um, I've been doing, uh, four ounces per color. Cause normally I, I mean, if you have six colors, four ounces, you know, you basically have enough to, to get your, any disc, no matter how much dome is on it in that bed and not have it touching the bottom or bottoming out. So, um, and I usually, every, every color except the psoriasis pink and the Caribbean is the pro chem and dye recommended levels for Floetrol. So, um, I think it's a quarter teaspoon for four ounces, mm. something like that. Or, or it's like, uh, it might, it might be even half a teaspoon that I'm using. But honestly, I don't, I don't take notes. I've just been kind of like going as I go mm-hmm. and it's kind of all just, you know, autopilot at this point. Nice. Um, do you use any water in your mixtures? Yeah. I always start out with like almost steaming water. Um, I, I pop a, ceramic cup full of hot water in the microwave for about a minute and 10 seconds. And then I hit the neon hot orange, psoriasis pink and royal purple first because the hotter water helps solve those issues I was talking about earlier. So how, um, if you could describe how much water you add, how much water do you add? I, I have a um, little pipette, a glass pipette. And I use, um, I think it's like 70 milliliters on average. If it's like if it's two quarter teaspoons, oh, like half a teaspoon, I use seven. If it's a quarter teaspoon, I use four. And then I'll hit the flow trial in and mix it all together afterwards. But that, that hot water really helps, in my opinion. Yeah. I was going to say, if um, have you ever just done the dye and flow trial to see how that works? Um, I, I have, but it was more of an accident <laughs> rather than planned. Because I, I didn't get the color that I wanted out of the flow trial. So, um I just put a little more in and mixed it up mm. and it was still very clumpy. Mm. Um, like the dye didn't want to like fully absorb. The mm. color was there, but the, the texture was off. So um, I, I'll always go that hot water route from now on. Yeah. Um, from my personal experience, um, I found adding water, especially with the neon colors, helps with the saturation. Um, uh, for the thing that I tested was clear glue. Uh, not clear glue, but uh, acetone and dye on clear glue. And I found that, again, just had better saturation. Um, but I'm curious with your Floetrol stuff, when you pour the dye on, is there any dyes that like to sink in the dye? Oh, yeah. That, that Sarai's pink, it's the hardest thing to work with because it, it likes to sink into the Floetrol. It mm-hmm. bleeds under glue masks. It bleeds under rim masking. Because um, I've, I've used acetone um, acetone mix on the rim so far, and I've used lotion mix with, um, I think it's Queen Helene uh, cocoa butter, and I, mostly just to not damage the stamp. But mm. um, Floetrol, it, it definitely is like a, a one and done thing, whereas like the lotion mixture, you could do two or three applications before you get the color you really want. So, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. I, I like the way the colors turned out. Yeah. Um, have you found any way to have the colors not sink into the bed um just pouring it all in one place like when i do my color lines like imagine there's like six lines mm-hmm. of the psoriasis pink and like the the black webbing i just pour it right on top of each other so it's like top to bottom of the, of the flow trial bed it's all the same color because hmm. um, if it's like spread out and you know, like a wide path it'll just kind of sink down on those sides and then bloom out mm-hmm. and so it's it's a little harder to rein in how how thick do you have like your base floetrol bed? Um, yeah, like I I take a toothpick 
and it's it's like you know it's it's not it's not that deep mm -hmm. um, realistically you could get away with like 18 to 20 total ounces because you add in that the base layer itself it's four ounces and then six colors you know that's another what 24 ounces and then the the black line with the swipe and you only you only get you only remove so much mm -hmm. when you do that black swipe across the top so it, it's like almost 30 30 ounces um but i use a 9 by 11 uh pan so you can get like a, a nice square pole and you can kind of choose where you want to put your disc at because i mean you, you do get some um especially if you use like a a really light psoriasis pink as a base layer mm -hmm. it helps bloom those cells even more because psoriasis likes to bloom on its own but um yeah, actually, I have a disc that I just did with that, and like, there's blue and orange and purple and pink all in the same cell, and mm -hmm. it's just, it just looks so good. Yeah. Um. So your base Floetrol, that's just straight up Floetrol, right? Not anymore. No. no I, I always I always do a little bit of color now. Really? So if it's um, aqua 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 green, that new Procamin dye or Sarai's pink. Mm -hmm. Uh, turquoise works and teal works really well. Anything that like kind of wants to form cells on its own mm -hmm. as a base layer, when you poke that silicone oil in, it helps bring that to the top. Mm. So it really just creates a lot of crazy color combinations in each cell. Interesting. I don't think I've ever thought of trying laying down a bed that's just not straight full trail. Interesting. Yeah, just um, lightly, lightly saturated uh, yeah. psoriasis pink. It, it almost looks like Pepto Bismol, <laughs> but when you when you put it in, it just. And then of course you you rake your toothpick through, and then when you swipe it across it, it blends it all together. So you get those gradient patterns without any of the pink showing through. Huh. Fascinating. Um, what is your technique to get uh, your cells? Um, three in one silicone oil. Um, the the yellow tube with the red cap on top. Um, and I'll just, I'll take a little plastic cup and I dip a toothpick in and I do rows of seven or eight. And then I, you know, I go across the whole bed and wipe, wipe the toothpick off and dip it again. And just, it's, it's very hand intense, um, hand intense work mm -hmm. compared to like just doing like a halo cell or, um, something where you can just kind of pull the strand wrap and it does all the work for you. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, but it's kind of like, um. It's like a meditative thing, you know, it keeps my hands busy. It keeps my mind busy. So, yes. Um, for me, I keep forgetting where I poked. I'm like, oh crap, where do I poke <laughs> next? Yeah. I usually have like the light on and I'm like eye level with the pan. It's like, <laughs> okay, uh, I've hit here. But once you have like two rows going, you can kind of just base the rest of the pattern off those, mm -hmm. those two rows. How long do you let the bed for lack of better words develop? Um, Sometimes ten minutes. I mean, like if that if that rise pink really starts blooming quick, then usually just hit it with a heat lamp for a little bit and put your disc in. But um, other times I'll just I'll give it like twenty or thirty minutes and kind of see if anything extra comes up. Um, it's all very much experimentation. So, um, and like I said, I'm still very new to this. So, um, every every everything is a little new each time. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, you got a fresh mind and it's not tainted with stuff <laughs> yeah yeah uh, the only thing that's i i just have these high expectations you know so when <laughs> one little one little sells off it it drives me nuts and everybody's like well it looks great to me i'm like well you're not the one who did it you don't know you know what i mean ah, time to throw it out not good enough yeah. <laughs> yeah. um do you reuse your beds at all 
sometimes um, it, it, if it's for me then yes most definitely I'll just I'll put a little ceramic up on the sides and scrape the dry chunks out but if it's for a commission or like a client um, no I'll, I'll always go the fresh route because I don't want to give anything substandard for lack of a better word um, I want those fresh colors the f you know because like sometimes when you especially when you swipe black across the top it can really dilute the colors and um, when you're using neon beds if you want it to look exactly like my discs you know what I mean like I'm gonna give you something that I did you know, from scratch um, it's it's definitely not the most um, economic but I mean what can you do yes um, well people are gonna use it in paint anyway so there's that right <laughs> um, so it sounds like you use a heat lamp for your beds. Yeah, I use a 150 watt Exoterra um, basking bulb, and I keep it about 10 inches, eight to 10 inches, depending on the plastic type, above the disc itself. Um, but uh, it does get. I don't have like a temp gun, so I just put my hand on top of the disc, and if it feels like lightly warmer than my hand temperature, it's, it's about 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's too hot and it's noticeably like, ooh, I'll just back the heat lamp up and kind of rotate the bed around a little bit. Um, I've had some oversaturated discs in the past, so I kind of watch that a little closer. Oversaturated? How is that even a thing? <laughs> well, like blown out colors, you know, mm. um, or like the blues are like really, really dark instead of being that oh. light, you know, so that's kind of that's kind of what i mean about oversaturation and that that intense heat can really take colors that you see in the bed mm -hmm. instead of them coming up lighter they come up like way darker and so it kind of defies the point in my opinion yeah how long do you typically let uh your disc sit in the bed um for gummy plastic like g star or bravo from lone star i usually do uh, about an hour and 45 minutes um, alpha or star more stiff premium blends it's about two hours and then glow um, champion or charlie metal flake all that stuff it's like three to four hours um, I, I keep it about the same heat every time but duration under heat is the, the key to getting saturation for different plastic types yeah um totally heat helps a lot have you ever used or thought about using a dehydrator uh, if I had the money, <laughs> you know, especially being able to hit a timer and walk away and not have to worry about it, like it would save me a lot of um, missed sleep. Yes. Um, well, you can pitch it as a um, safety thing because, you know, heat lamps could potentially be dangerous. And yep. with your sleep deprivation, you know, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't be a bad I, thing. I, once I get um, these tournament fees covered and, and everything like that for the rest of the year, I I'll definitely look into it. I've seen dehydrators for 80 to to $100. And I mean, in the long run, you're paying, what, $20 a bulb? Mm -hmm. and though I've, I th I've had the same bulb since December, and it still hasn't burned out yet. But I've got a backup ready to go just in case. So. Yeah. Um, I recently got a dehydrator, and boy, is it magical. Um, I was using heat lamps for a lot of things. Um, safer. I can fit five discs in the one that I have. I got like a nine tray one, so I can fit like five at a time with the same space as what a heat lamp would take. Um, yeah. The consistent heat is nice. And, is um, it convection? Is it like top and bottom? Mm -hmm. um, or Yeah, that's definitely, it seems like they're out to go. Yeah, so like the whole inside is an even temperature and yeah, it's magical. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to get one at some point. 
Right That's on. the next big purchase. Yes. Um, uh, what is your favorite plastic type to dye? Um, I'm a little biased, um, but I would say the alpha or star, the really stiff stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I love throwing that too. So, um, plus, I mean, two hours, you, you really can't beat it. Two hours under heat versus that metal flake. Yeah, you know, you're sitting there, it's like, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning. Is this thing done yet? You know, but You know, some people let their disc sit for 24 hours. Yeah, I, I don't have the patience for that. I've <laughs> never been a patient man, so. <laughs> uh, impatient and perfectionist. Great combination to be in yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, What is your must-have accessory for disc dyeing? Something that you couldn't live without. Ooh, um, aside from like Floetrol and stuff, I would definitely say that the heat lamp is crucial. I mean, especially with Floetrol, you're... Uh, you're not going to get the same kind of saturation, especially in that time frame mm-hmm. without the heat. So, have have you noticed any um, blurring or fuzzing of any of your uh, cell webbing that you've experienced? Um, early on, and it, a lot of it was because of that heat. I wasn't keeping it um, monitored. I would just walk away for a couple hours and come back, and then you know all the colors are like really muted. And the, the, the cell webbing is just like blown out like a really bad tattoo. Um, so I, I, like I'm keeping a closer eye on it now. And usually my, my webbing is like very tight, very concise. And it almost looks like I put a stencil on the disc. But, uh, you know, the only stencil I've done so far and uh, or vinyl tape for that matter is I put it on the face plate of the disc and then rim painted. And then I took it right off. So... <laughs> It's my own experience with the Oracle so far. Well, hey, it's the first step. Um, I've known, I know somebody actually did a uh, cell webbing stencil. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Honestly, it looked like Uncanny Valley. I was like, <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Um, for your, how much like research and learning have you done into to, um, stencil dyeing? Because I'm, I'm curious to see how you're, going to do that and how you want to do that if that makes well, sense. I've, I've pretty much do the same thing with Floetrol. I spent like three months looking into different techniques and then kind of deciding on what path I wanted to go and then looking at what supplies I needed and which brands and I've done the same thing with um, with stencils so far. I, I've probably spent like two or three months looking at everything like hot dips and getting the bubbles out using a credit uh, debit card just um, hot water boil hot water to like get the the bubbles out everything neat and tidy um it's just more of a fear of messing up that's kind of holding me back right now well you know you gotta do it and learn and you know the first time isn't gonna be perfect yeah Yeah, it's just like my first uh chameleon so i i I dragged my feet on it for so long and Mm. then that first one and actually that mistake that i did with the eye dye um getting the fabric stuff and then not doing anything right it taught me more than like the 100 200 success stories i've had since then so um i just i just need to get my feet wet jump in yes the best way to learn is to make mistakes embrace those mistakes it can be frustrating like god damn it but hey (laughs) you'll learn something and uh, obviously you try to learn as much as you can to prevent those mistakes you know for the most part but you're still going to make mistakes and learn from that yeah. Um, what, what made you settle on hot dipping versus other methods? 
Um, I just like how rich the saturation looks. Because um, I've seen you know people paint with acetone and black dye mix, and it looks good, but it's kind of gray. And I, I really like that rich, dark tone. And then so you can also hot dip with you know green or red and kind of do like a glue bed in the background or a flowchart bed in the background. There's a lot of different ways you can play with it. Mm. Um, so And then plus, I don't like acetone. Uh, my fingers always stain different colors because of my rim dyes and stuff. So I try to stay away from that. You know, I find that fascinating because I feel like Floetrol is like probably the messiest medium. <laughs> but when it dries, it's like rubber. So you can just like scrape it off the, the you know, PVC flooring with like a credit card or something. <laughs> yes, this is true. Anyways, the reason I was asking about why you wanted to do hot tipping is I've was a big hot dipper. And that's the first thing that I've done. Uh, but Jory from Jory's Fly Dyes got me into the denatured alcohol um, for getting the black on there. And I like that a lot. I'm getting the probably the same amount of rich saturation as I would with a hot dip. But I don't have to mess around with a giant container that I can accidentally spill at any moment yeah. in time. And I just kind of brush it on. And it's... it's do you do multiple layers to get that set or is it just one and done? No, I do multiple layers. Again, I, I'm still new to that technique, but if you, if you have any more questions, you can definitely reach out for uh, to Jory. But yeah, um, again, the same saturation that I've been getting and I haven't been noticing any difference in fading over time compared to hot tipping. So um, okay. I, I, I've I actually got a, a big old bottle of denatured. I just... I cracked it open and I haven't used it yet so yeah and the nice thing with denatured compared to acetone is the acetone eats the vinyl stencil the denatured doesn't i mean you can use acetone and dye mixtures on the stencil just for short periods of time but if you uh let it sit it will dissolve ask me how i learned that one (laughs) you had some fun stories yes um yeah definitely uh check out that method as well Um, what black dye did you have in mind for either hot dipping or the denatured? Um, I use right now for Floetrol, I use a mix of, um, I dye poly black, uh, like two fourths of like one half a ratio. And then the other quarters are Onyx and Dark Dungeon from Procam and Dye. Um, so I was assuming I'd probably just do something similar in hot water. Or maybe just I dye poly black. It it does it is the richest black in the business. So yeah, um, I haven't experimented too much with the Prochem blacks, but yeah, I dye black is is my jam, um, and that's what I use for the hot dipping and the um, denatured mix. Yeah, the Onyx I'm pretty sure is like a gray. Mm-hmm. No, the Dark Dungeon's like a gray, or, or one of them is a blue. Either way, they're not real blacks. They're not. They're just very very heavily saturated, like grays and blues. So. Yes. Um, I always make fun of Dark Dungeon as the worst one because Jory named it. So there's that. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. Wow. I like, didn't know that. Neither did I until he told, until he told me. He's like, oh, that's neat. It's the worst black ever. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's, it's pretty awful. <laughs> uh, well, you have like 49 other colors to choose from for both chemical and dino. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, they do crazy work. Um, I've yet to do like the buttercup or dandelion or any of those yellows. I mostly just use that um, neon lemon zest with a little bit of bright yellow. Um, I mean, it just, it always gets the color I want. So, yes. Um, 
you know, if you do want to try any colors, I do have the one tea or teaspoon, tablespoon. I keep forgetting which one it is. Like the sample packs? Yes. So I got those. If you want some, I can send some to you for free. That that would be awesome. Yes. I definitely, because with lotion painting, I have definitely kind of opened this new branch of um, ways to get through dyeing. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I had this... I had this stance, or uh, it's like a star, like a sacred geometry thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do different colors inside the circles of it. And I just, I was like, well, acetone's going to eat away the stamp. And I, I pretty much always keep the stamps. I know Keith's going to kick my ass for that. Um, but I always keep my stamps. And um, I wanted to keep it and then put different colors in each one of the circles. And I was like, well, let's try this Queen Helene's. Everybody says it's really nice. And honestly, I, I, I love the way it turned out. So, so you're using lotion lotion to paint on the color yeah yeah uh, just a thick old glob some that's not going to dry out in a couple hours and then i just come in, uh, next morning and wash it off with cold water is it the saturation i want is it the hue i want okay another another glob and then um it's a little time consuming but you, you can't argue with the results yeah how do you apply the lotion to the disc with a toothpick okay i mean especially especially with um, this unique uh, really fine stencil or stamps rather mm-hmm. um it just putting it on in little drops and kind of filling out the spots that i want filled and then just layering on top of that so nice i feel like that would take so much time um yeah if you haven't there's things called fine tip bottles that have really fine tips that you yeah have. i've been meaning to get like 20 of those <laughs> but yeah these are the ones that i got um I should really carry these. Yeah, they're really nice. So it has like a little metal spout, like a needle? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Where did you get those at? You have to send me the link. Uh, yes. You know, we have a page on the Dyers Guild website. If you go to dyersguild.co slash supplies, it has all the recommended supplies for disc dyeing. And I think these are on there. So either I'll way. I'll definitely have to give that a bookmark. Yes. I'll, uh, if I remember, I'll send you a link. My memory is really I, bad. I can always bug you. I can always bug you. There you go. Perfect. Um, what inspires your disc dyes? Like, where do you draw inspiration from? Um, well, mostly I would say Lobot dies. Um, that dude, I, I look up to him like none other in the community. I, I love the way he's, like, transformed the cell game, you know, from his lava cells to everything else. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I want to try, but I'm just hesitant because I don't want to mess up, you know. <laughs> so uh, I just have to get over that hump. Yes. Um, so I liked his one of his dyes so much I actually bought one. And when I saw this, I was like, I need to have it. This one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The two-color swipe, that yellow in the middle. Yeah. It I just, can't remember. Is that an annex or uh It is. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that was the first one I was like, the cells look awesome on it. The the color variance is awesome. And the two-color webbing is just so, so amazing. Yeah. I uh, I just love the claw and it just looks like a reptile. So I was like, mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my my entire bag is neon gradient at this point. I that one that I did with the uh, lotion paint, um, I also rim painted with acetone, like a rainbow, and I kind of offset the colors a little bit. So when it's spinning, it looks like it's kind of going in like a spiral effect. Nice. But um, yeah, just I just love the way chameleon cells look. So do you do any spin dyeing? 
No, I don't have a, um, I have a Lazy Susan, but I don't have a, a like a vinyl record player where I can just kind of find a speed that I like or hit it in reverse. Um, I have used like Q-tips and twisted them off into like a tip mm-hmm. and then dip them in acetone and dye mixture and kind of fill out the rim. But um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I still need to try and get into. Yes. Well, if you ever do get into spin dyeing, I do have... Those 3D, 3D printed... Yeah. Dave, yeah. spin dye jig rig. Yeah. I definitely have that bookmarked on my Google. Nice. Um, but yeah, and um, I don't know if you know the website Woot.com. Woot, like W-O-O-T? Yes. Because uh, sometimes they have really good deals, like uh, the uh, briefcase record players for like 20 bucks. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely have to look at that. Yeah, I, I periodically, um, so I like search Google like uh, record player site colon woot.com for Google to, to search that site. And sometimes I find the, the deals there. But yeah, the, it's definitely a good option to uh, to, to do spin dyeing. Yeah, I definitely want to start doing like the underside of rims. I know a lot of dyers do. And it's like I'm giving you the top product but the underside is just so bland and i never feel good about it you know what i mean yeah i i feel like spin dyeing just finishes it off and kind of frames up um the stuff that you did on the inside and front yeah especially putting like a drop shadow in on the rim or something like that it's just it's like that chef's kiss moment you know (laughs) yes did he do anything ah yes he did yeah he did the uh, gradient have you have you seen him pushing the disc all the way down in and the entire underside is dyed now too yes i've seen uh some people do that um that's really cool yeah definitely there's a lot of stuff that i've seen dyers do that's just like wow i've literally never thought of that you know i feel like someone just got frustrated like hey well i've I've definitely had some where i was pushing it down because it had a really beveled rim yeah. and i was kind of just making sure the rim was covered and um it just like overflowed the top and i'm like trying to wipe it off with like a wet paper towel as quick as i can and so like i mean i could have just send it but yeah the um uh what was it uh, jay kennedy from uh functional functional disc. i had him on the podcast and he said something that kind of like oh aha that makes sense uh, because I'll get back to like dipping it further down. Um, but his theory is that the, if you let the bed sit for a while, the top film becomes kind of like a, um, a, a sticker, but you know, it's, it's sticky and tacky. So when you put the disc on, the die stays in place of where it was when it touched the disc. I think that's kind of the same concept with clear glue is the glue sandwiches the die between the disc and the die mix. Yeah. Um, so that was like, that makes a lot of sense and you could apply that concept for other mediums and you can potentially see why lotion gets more blurry for beds. Cause it doesn't really have that tacker, uh, stay in place. But my fear when they getting back to dipping it down was my fear is, you know, if you push it down, then it's going to spread the dye on the face of the disc and start blurring. But if it has that tack, then it won't. Yeah, and that's definitely something I've noticed too is like you can kind of spin it around like after that first contact is made. As long as you're like pushing it down and it's submerged, like that underside layer is still moist. 
um, it, it's it's going to do what it's going to do. Like that first contact is the most crucial part of like a Floetrol die. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of failed webs because I've, I've kind of put it too much at an angle when I push it down. It's like pushing the bed out. Mm. So you have like stretched webs on the end. So I, I definitely, I, I can see that. Yes. Um, yeah. It's emerging the entire disc. Neat idea. Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about that is I've heard about die migration. Yeah. Um, like, you know how, like when your disc, all your discs are dyed in your bag and then like the underside rim takes colors from another disc. Mm. I'm worried about if you don't match those colors. Like say you have like a really dark spin die on the bottom and like a really bright top that those colors will eventually mix in the middle. On the same disc? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that dye migration continues to happen for quite a while. Okay. Let me right back. So this was a disc that I dyed probably about two years ago. Um, it's fading pretty good. I also did um, a spin die on the back and you can see the stencil coming through. It's not actually showing through. It's actually coming through, coming through um, harder to see on the front, but you can see the back spin die yeah. migrating through the top. So that's why I wouldn't recommend um, doing the both top and bottom unless you plan for that happening. Um, right. But with the rim, you know, that it's just so thick, it would probably take ages to migrate through the rim, but the yeah. thin flight plate, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually never had, that's, that's crazy. I've never actually seen it like that, but um, it was more of just like something I overheard people talking about. Yes. Say, so I've got, I got my bag right here. I was going to show you that, that Starship, the one that I did the lotion paint on. Oh, that's that's the eat. Um, but yeah, I did I did acetone rim and lotion paint Ooh, on the stencil. Beautiful. I did like a neon colors out here, and then the primary colors on that. So I glue masked all the stuff in the stamp, and then went through after the Floetrol bed was done, and then I did the electrical tape Damn. on the rim, and sealed it with just a little bit of glue where it overlaps, so that nothing would bleed through. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is one of my favorite discs right now. That is a beautiful disc. Damn, nice job. I've been doing I've been doing all of them lately like that. The hooligan yeet, the rim die. Nice. Yeah. For um, I think you mentioned it, but how do you um, what's your method for getting the die on the rim? Um, I use acetone. So I have like little mason jars with like the two part lids mm -hmm. and then I just like uh, I'll pour the acetone in dye mix in and let all the extra dye set settle the bottom and then q-tip and I just kind of very carefully put it on um, and then when I blend it like where these colors meet I just I'll put a really thick layer of acetone dye on and I just smudge it across with my finger mm. and it, use, it works out but like I said my fingers are always different colors because of it well yeah if you do that yes <laughs> I just put my finger in the dye. Oh, it's dyed. <laughs> I'm, I'm very hands-on. Yeah. They, they do make rubber gloves or... Um, I've got nitrile. I just don't use them. Yes. I, I like... I, I, it was the same when I was working in a factory. I was mixing... Um, I was mixing paint buckets full of isopropyl... Or no, propyl, propylene? Propanol. Yeah, it's been a couple of years. But I was making barricade tape. So I was mixing um, big old five-gallon um, barrels full of color... And then 
letting them pump up into a machine and printing it onto, you know, either PE or PVC plastic. Mm -hmm. So I've already kind of had that experience going into dyeing that kind of, I feel like it's helped me out a little bit, but I I never wore gloves when I did that. I was always hands-on. I don't care if I get dirty, you know, I like, Mm -hmm. I like to feel what I'm, I'm working on. Yes. The, uh, you need to feel the tactileness of the dye. Yeah. Well, especially when you get to flow trial, because if it's too runny or it's too thick, then it, it can really affect the outcome of the product. Hmm. So, do you ever uh, thin out your flow trial at all with anything? Um, just just with the hot water, hmm. um, you know. And I, I feel like that, that it does help with saturation, but it also helps with like uh, with it being too thick. You're not going to get as good of a transfer to the hmm. disc. You know, it's it's like if it's already in like a thick mucusy substance, then it's going to have like a harder time you know, bonding with the polymer chains in the disc. Whereas if it's a little thinner, not only do you get better cells, but um, it, it kind of takes some of that time out, out from underneath heat. So. Hmm. Have you had any fail stories with any of your disc dyeing? Plenty. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I, I, I might actually still have the disc, but like uh, I had I had one where all the web was all that showed up. Like not, none of the color came in. Um, the web was like a light gray and, um, of course I was using like a, a really dark colored disc instead of like a white one. Mm-hmm. So, um, I didn't really, I didn't really look at the color wheel before going into it. I just kind of full send and then like nothing came out. I was like, what is going wrong? Like, am I just an idiot? And then, you know, a couple of days later, it's like, Oh, <laughs> now, you know, yeah. Yeah, especially using like a, a light blue disc, you can kind of get some really cool uh, variants of the colors. Like I have this one that I did, and it was a second gen bed. Um, let's see, it's like a very blue, light blue, sky blue disc, but the colors and the cells, like you have like pinks and oranges and yellows all together, and you don't really get that. This is the same exact mixtures I used on this one. So hmm. um, nice taking the disc color into account has also really helped um, kind of fix those issues. Yes. Um, color theory, color wheel, very important to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you end up with brown. All those, all those art classes in high school, just in one ear, out the other. <laughs> and it's gone. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, where do you do your disc dyeing? Um, actually right over here in the corner next to my computer desk, I have a little corner desk and, uh, I have like a whole rack of, of discs. Uh, like I have like, I want to say 30 that are dyeable right now. And then the rest are either already dyed or used from last year. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, but, uh, I, I, I pretty much do everything right next to my computer so I can pop something on the computer watch like tombstone like i did last night or something and just kind of zone out when i'm waiting for it to cook so that uh have you had any accidents Um, yeah especially carrying carrying the dye tray over to the sink um because i I usually take like a a container full of cold water so i'm not flushing stuff down the sink you know what i mean and then i kind of wash my disc off and then i carry the tray outside if i'm done with the tray i let it dry out so i can peel it out um, but yeah, I carried it outside one time and I, I bumped into the corner of the wall and spilled it like all over the floor and we've got PVC flooring. It's not like, it's not even laminate. So, uh, there's a couple spots that are permanently purple now. Hmm. Well, now you know how PVC flooring takes time. 
Yeah. <laughs> Knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would do differently if you started disc dyeing today? Um, yeah, definitely not only just the color wheel, but um, looking into supply brands. Because when I when I first started, I thought, okay, I just need this generic silicone silicone oil, and then oh yeah, three in one helps bloom cells. Um, you know, this specific three in one is really really good. You know, but like just putting just like putting WD forty in, you can get some cells, but it's not going to be the same result. You know, um, that and the uh, obviously the color wheel. If if I'd have known, well, and I should have known before getting into it. If I'd have known. Um, that like putting like an orange disc down and putting blue on it is not going to get you the blue. <laughs> I would have never used an orange disc. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I'm trying to do with the Dyer's Guild is put together just, you know, um, resources that people can use for the materials to use for disc dyeing. Because I remember when I started disc dyeing and same with you, it's like you had to scour the internet and see what worked and what didn't work. And um, it was pretty time consuming so um that supply list page is to help with that to you know here's the approved stuff that you can use for disc dyeing to help save time with that so i'm yeah. hoping that will help other people and other disc dyers yeah most definitely and i, I see i'm in um i'm in another disc dyeing like disc dyers page on facebook and it's got like thirteen thousand members or something like that and there's questions every single day that are like you know, how do I get this? How do I do that? It's like, yeah, you can just use the search bar and type in your question. You're going to, they're going to have like a hundred posts, yeah. you know, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of newer dyers really need that um, material resource to mm -hmm. like, you know, stick their fingers in and be like, okay, this is, this is what I need. And yes. supplies are the biggest thing um, in my opinion, because you can have techniques, you can have um, info videos and all that. But if you don't have the right supplies, you're kind of wasting your time. You know, you're spinning your wheels. Yeah. Um, that's why, like, uh, with Lobot Dies, I'm super thankful for his YouTube videos because I, I wouldn't even be where I'm at without watching his videos. Yes. Um, I will make sure that you complimented him. So. <laughs> yeah, he's the man. Yes, he uh, he definitely is. Um, cool dude, too, as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm also working on die kits. So, um, these are for meant for, you know, if you want to, I guess these are meant for beginner dyers. Like you have everything you need to do, uh, to start disc dyeing on a specific topic or method. So you don't have to source the materials from a bunch of different places. You can just get it all in one. And, um, there will be a QR code to follow along with the video showing you how to dye a disc with a specific kit or method. So, yeah, that'd be really helpful for a lot of new dyers. Yeah. Um, I know it would help me um, because, again, it's just it's so overwhelming to um, figure stuff out. And I, some people are like, eh, it's not worth the time. But I feel like it would be worth the time for those people because it is so enjoyable to do. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's one of the things that's kind of kept me in that sober headspace where it's like I I have something that I, I can go throw discs in the daytime, you know, take care of the kids the rest of the day. And they're in bed. I'm I'm doing a die, and from start to finish, I'm very hands-on about it, very meticulous about my pokes. So, I know some people use like a like a Afro pick, and they cut some of the forks off. And I I just prefer taking a toothpick and like 170 pokes because it just eats my time up. You know? Yeah. But no, I can see how that can be meditating. Um, 
I feel like it's kind of frustrating to me because like you, I'd like to be a perfectionist. And if I'm slightly off of where I poke, I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. 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 That's the thing, too, is I'll catch it right as it's going in. Not before, but like right as it's going into the bed. And it's like, well, I just have to work with this now. <laughs> but that's part of that's part of dying i've had to learn to accept is that um it's never going to be perfect mm. you know and like what's perfect for me is not going to be what's perfect for everyone else because i mean especially to the untrained eye they just they see colors they don't see you know very specific webbing they're like you know, my third gen i gave my third gen or fourth gen um color test disc to my cousin and he was like man i love this thing my mom's like it looks amazing i'm like it looks like shit you know what i mean like that's just me so yeah you know i feel like we're always our um, biggest most, critics yes most most harsh critics and it's like you know if if you're doing commissions and this for other people and if they love it great that's awesome um and it's you know don't be hard on yourself with some of that stuff because you will see the imperfections that no one else will see yeah yeah um, and and that's the thing too, is especially to like I said, the out the outside eye that's never seen a die before. Like if you're just giving it as a gift, I mean, like it just looks so cool to them, yes. you know. And it's it's like it's like seeing the world through the eyes of a baby almost, you know. <laughs> like, but yeah, we're so used to seeing this like super top tier awesome work, and like, man, our stuff sucks. <laughs> yeah, especially with some of those um, stencil workers that did like all like I figured it was at. Kateri, she did the um, stencil with like all the colors of Brokem and dye on it for yeah. the, the dye contest. That was, I just blows my mind. Like I, I really, I'm nowhere close to that, and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> I'm nowhere close to that either. She's, yeah, she's amazing. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I said <laughs> sorry. I, yeah, nothing to be sorry about. I make fun of her all the time, but she does amazing work. Um, yeah, and yeah. All right, well, we got to know the disc dying side of you. Now we're going to get to know you on a personal level. Oh, oh joy. <laughs> so the uh, first set of questions I have is favorite faves. What is your favorite band or song? Oh, um, right now I, I, I'm really big. I'm still really big into Suicide Boys. I know that people make fun of them, but like that's all I listen to for the longest time. Um, I like I like metalcore and, and hardcore and you know lo-fi hip hop, but like I know all the lyrics to all the Suicide Boy songs, so it's that's got to be my favorite. Nice. I don't, man. I can't hear a song. I don't know what they. What is like one of their popular songs? Uh, um, well, like Southside Suicide with Puya. Um, and they're they're very like. Um, they talk about doing drugs and stuff like that, but here in the last couple of years, they both sobered up. And so now it's more about like their experiences and like what they've been through to mm -hmm. get, to get clean. And that's, I can resonate with that. Um, for a while there, I was kind of like in the worst place possible. Um, and I kind of related to them on that level. And now that we're all sober, I can relate to them on that level too. So it's kind of like just one of those things. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, don't be ashamed of who you like to listen to in music because yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what I like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next question: What is your favorite food? Um, hamburgers. I, I, I more specifically bacon cheeseburgers. I I could have one every single day and not get tired of it. But <laughs> uh, is there a specific restaurant that you like more, or do you make your own? Um. 
Well, there was this one, I think it was it was called KBCs or something like that. It was in Dothan, Alabama when I lived there. And they had a, it was called like the Uncle Uncle Poe's Burger or something. And it had smoked Gouda and, and uh, spinach and their own special sauce, in-house sauce. But it was just, I wish I could go back to Dothan just for that burger. Nice. Where do you live now? I live in Texas. Okay. I actually moved out here to uh, to work at that barricade printing job and then I, I took 120 volts to the chest and lost like three weeks of memory and Jesus. the second i was able to start walking and talking again they had me back into work so they i miss, i was one day short of my short-term disability my fiance was third trimester and we almost lost our house because Jesus. i was out of work so that um, is uh that's crazy also electricity is no joke yeah they actually i told the maintenance man like hey this this two-ton hoist isn't working, but if I jam the cord down on the top, it works. So instead of getting the electrician in, he just opens it up, rewires it, like strips it and rewires it. Well, he put the hot wire into the same screw that was holding the control panel together. So I was like, I had this metal sleeve in one hand, the control panel, and I was putting it on this giant barrel, and I'd bend down my shoulder, touch the chain, and it just like right underneath my skin, my whole body was like hot for a split second, and I felt like something came off the ceiling and smacked me in the back of the head. And then next thing you know, I'm looking up at the ceiling and my chest hurt really bad. And then like two or three days blend together. I guess I drove to work. I don't remember going to work the next day. But um, yeah, it was, it was a, a weird experience for sure. That is crazy. Um, well, first, glad you're alive. Uh, <laughs> have you noticed any other effects from that accident? Um, no. I mean, like for a while, I just, I couldn't, I literally couldn't talk. Wow. It was, it was like... Um, it's like I had peanut butter in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like I would try to talk, mm-hmm. um, but nobody could understand what I was trying to say. And oh. uh, and I don't remember going to like my mom's birthday or anything. Like I, three weeks were just gone. Wow. So crazy. Uh, anyways, back to the food. The reason I asked is um, I don't know if you ever had Culver's. It's kind of a. Uh, oh, yeah. Midwest for sure. I'm yes. from Iowa originally. So okay. we, we get down on Culver's. Yes. I was going to say. Um, if- Butter like, burgers. Yeah, if you like bacon cheeseburgers, you know, it's, it's a good, decent chain up in here. Their pepper grinder burger that's out right now is so good. Mm, nice. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite beverage? Um, I drink a lot of C4 energy drink, actually. I have one over here, but they have like Skittles and Star- Starburst flavors. Huh. And they're zero sugar and like 200 milligrams of caffeine. They're just, they're so good. 200, that's that's child's play. <laughs> oh, I know. I usually go for like the 400, like 300, 350s, but the 200 is kind of like a happy medium where I can sip a whole can and not really feel anything from it. Uh, I've, I've been really into ghosts lately. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the ghost energy drink. It's... It's really good. They they modeled their flavors off of like popular candy, like um, Warheads or oh, Sour Ghost. Pitch. Ghost. I thought you yeah. said I say I thought you said Gills. No. Um, yeah, Ghost. Yeah, I have a strawberry bubblicious one yes. from Walmart. Yeah. Um, Lander from the protagonist dies. He's the one that turned me onto those. Damn you, protagonist. <laughs> um, he's actually he's one of the first ones I want to die from. Yeah, I I was creeping on your page. I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, small world. Yeah, I won one from him and one from Throw Joe's and um, uh, something with Sky in his name. I'll have to look it up. 
but he sent me a T-Rex and yeah, I've definitely, I've gotten, that's what really got me into to dying was the giveaway. So I was like, you know what? I want my whole bag to look like this. Nice. You know, I'm a dyer and I think I only have like one dye in my bag. <laughs> really? I just, I don't know. I've been trying to collect other uh, dyers dyes to put in my day, bag because, you know, it's cool. Yeah, I actually did a trade with um, Dom's dyes. So okay. I, I did a uh, Mockingbird with the same rim, you know, type paint, cell dye, and he's doing a Toro for me, a Glow Toro. And uh, we both shipped our stuff out today. So here later this week, we both should have a dye. Nice. Um, yeah, I, th- it's, uh, I think it's really cool to do dye swaps, either like complete dyes or, you know, you do a portion of the dye and someone else does the other portion. Yeah, I've been wanting to do something like that where, like, you just vinyl tape, like, half of the disc or, like, a quarter of the disc and do a section and then send it off mm-hmm. get something, like, a big collab going. Yeah. I've always wanted to do, you know, start something or be the hub for that with the dyers guild. It's like, hey, if you want to collaborate with other dyers, here's where you can do it. Yeah, I think that would be a really good idea, and I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in it. I know that's something I've thought about before is like doing something even on my own, like a split, two different styles. But yeah, um, and I, I feel I know me, I would be afraid to ask another dyer, "Hey, do you want to collaborate?" But don't be afraid to ask because yeah, more than likely they'll say, "Yeah, that's awesome, let's do it." So yeah, especially when there's times between commissions, it's like you know I got nothing else going on. Yeah. What can I do for you? So. Um, but anyways, ghosts are my jam. I've never had a C4 before. Oh, they're good. Yeah. Nice. Their their Skittles flavor is like spot on Skittles. Like mm, dangerous. I don't really like the strawberry uh, Starburst, but the cherry Starburst that that's my jam right now. Nice. All right. Next section that I have. Um, if you had to pick three discs to play for the rest of your life at any course. What would those three discs be and why? I would have to say the Curl and the Frio and the Cash from Hooligan. Um, the Cash is a very overstable puddle top putter. It's very torque resistant, so forehand, backhand, approach shots, even putting, it does its job. And the Frio being a 7.5, negative 1.1, one, one, you can put it on Annie and flip it up or throw it really, really hard on Heiser, a lot of spin and let it get that fade. Um, and the curl being, it's it's it says it's a eleven five negative one two, but in my in my experience, it's more like a ten six negative one two. So it's very glidy. It I mean it it goes down the fairway really really smooth, but you can crush four hundred four hundred fifty feet of distance with it, not have any issue. Hmm. Well, I don't think I can get that far, but I, I trust you. Uh, my longest throw so far is uh, all air was four ninety three, and with the roller is five seventy two. So well, that's cool. 200, 300 feet further than that. <laughs> I've got a cannon arm, but my short game is whack. I'll be the first to admit it. Yes. Uh, I have a noodle arm, and I have to throw lightweight discs. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I tried the glitch, and I I just can't slow down my arm for it. Like, I really <laughs> wanted to like it, um, but the arrow being 180 grams is just like, it's everything I wanted the glitch to be. Oh. Mm. Nice. This right. is too big. Uh, next question I have is, what has been your favorite course or hole that you've played so far? Um, well, I'm, I'm doing a tournament this weekend with um, three courses in McKinney, Texas. It's uh, Woods at Trinity, Town Lake, and Alex Clark all in two days. Um, I think hole 15 at Town Lake is, is my favorite all-time hole right now. It's, it's very uphill, but it's like picturesque. It's 
there's like trees everywhere but roots aren't sticking out of the ground so you can skip off the ground even through the low ceiling and still get some distance up the hill but then when you get up to the top of the hill the basket's sitting on top of the hill and you can look down at the tea pad and it's just like man i came all that way it's beautiful <laughs> but nice um a term that has been said is it's been a uh bambi-esque scenery or bambi-esque yeah. hole which is yeah so beautiful <laughs> yeah most definitely nice i mean we got a, a really nice course up here um it's munson munson park disc golf course in uh, denison and that course is i think it's a par 62 there's eight par fours and the rest are all par threes um there's like four holes over 500 feet um just i mean there's elevation changes trees on every hole um islands you know what i mean and creeks and stuff that run through it it's it's very very challenging and beautiful but i'm biased because i play it like six days a week when i can that's awesome well it's nice that you can play that off on an awesome course like that yeah that's it when i move away from here it's the one thing i'm gonna miss do you have any courses on your bucket list um i wanted to play eagles crossing but that is so far out of my skill range um i would lose my entire bag on those water water hills um, but I would say that, and, uh, the, the one that they play for, um, Idlewild, um, in Burlington, Kentucky, that, that course is just everything I want in a course. It's wooded, it's serene, challenging, um, you know, cause I, I'm at that point in disc golfing where if it's under 300 feet and it's wide open, I'm throwing a putter off the tee <laughs> and there's only so many times you can throw a putter off the tee and be like, yeah, well, that's what the putter does. Mm -hmm. But I like the challenge of disc golf. Yeah. I I definitely like the um, more wooded courses and technical stuff, even though I get really frustrated. But I feel yeah. like it's a lot more uh, fun, challenging, rather than an open, like, ball golf course. Yeah. I mean, I haven't got to play a ball golf course yet. This November, um, Lone Star Championship is on a golf course in Conroe, Texas. It's a private course. And that'll be the first time I've ever done one. But like, as excited as I am to throw big bombs and show off my arm, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't really feel the same when you throw a big distance in an open field, where as if you're in the woods and you hit like a line through the trees and it's just barely dodging those trees. That's like, I mean, try that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. But, all right, next question I have is, if you had to pick a pro disc golfer to play around with and hang out, who would that be and why? I Honestly, I right now I think Calvin Heinberg. Because, I mean, not only did he win in points this year, but, like, his putt game is phenomenal. The way he looks at disc golf is unlike a lot of the players on Pro Tour. And um, I would just... You know, seeing that one clip where he's like, you know, trees are tiny, discs are tiny, and he throws a big forehand upshot through the woods. It's like talking to yourself like that, like he does, has really helped my game a lot. Because that those positive affirmations, it's it's so crucial when you're playing disc golf. Because you can beat yourself up. Oh, I missed that, missed that putt. I've got a birdie look, and I got a bogey. It's like, how does that help you on the next hole? Yeah. You know. It is surprising to me how mental of a game disc golf is. Um, yeah. With, you know, just, I've played maybe a handful of tournaments, but it's like completely different because you have all that pressure and it's like you have the pressure to do good, but you, again, it doesn't matter. It's just mental. 
Yeah. Yeah. But my very first tournament ever, I threw, it was my home course actually here at Munson Park. And I threw straight into the dirt 10 feet off the tee pad on multiple occasions because I was so worried about looking good in front of people. Mm-hmm. And because I talked all this game, like, oh man, I play this course all the time. I have really good scores. And then I'm in front of people and I play like an idiot. And oh. the MPO dude I did the C tier with was like, man, you got a thousand rated arm, but an eight, 800 rated head. And that's, <laughs> I, I ended, ended the weekend at 862 rated. So, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. The uh, mental game, the gallery effects, like, yeah. Oh shit, I suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Taking the time to slow down and just um that's everything. You yeah. know, even with putting, if you rush through your putt, a ten footer can break you, you know. So just slow down, relax and have fun. That's that's the main reason we're out there doing disc golf. Absolutely. So um great words. Um I learned a lot about disc dying, you know, how you do your things, and I've learned about you on a personal level, which I always find fun and fascinating because, you know, you always see these dyers, you see the discs and how they do things, but you don't see their face and their personality. So yeah. I really like doing this. Um, where I can appreciate pe- you having me on. Absolutely. I'm glad you're on. Uh, where can people find your work if they want to see what you can do? I'm on Instagram with um, at heiserdrip.dg. Um, and then I, I used to have an Etsy, but with funds being tight, I can't keep this listed up there. So, I mean, if, if you're interested, just hit me up with a DM. Uh, I can always work something out with you. And I'm, I'm being as new as I am, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, charge you like a million dollars a disc. Like, if you're hurting, you know, you got a disc you want done, I can do it for like 25 bucks. I don't care. Great. Well, you know, still charge what you're worth because it does take time and talent and um, don't undersell yourself yeah. as a gift, well, I guess. But also, it's getting stu- getting my work in people's hands. That's yeah, that's that's, that's more important. Like, if I can get my turn- tournament fees covered and the discs I want bought, I, I've got nothing else going on in life right now. There you go. Um, also, if you wanted to, I know Etsy does the fee for the listing, but we do have the marketplace on the Dyer's Guild. If you're ever interested, you can definitely uh, host and sell in there. So, okay, that. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, again, thank you for being on. And until next time, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye. See you guys.